Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here. Hope you're doing well wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning time or evening for you, afternoon, whatever it is. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to have a great time. going to be sharing about basically the culture of the kingdom and what it means to shift into an apostolic paradigm of ministry. And uh, as a, just before we get into that, though, really love for you guys just to post your comments below. Let, let us know where you are watching from. We love to hear from everybody. We know many of you guys, but perhaps you are a visitor. You've never been on the uh, live streams that I do previously. And if not, hey, guys, let us know. Just let us know where you're watching from. Also, go ahead and share. Hit the share button hit the like button, hit the hearts, and uh, just let this thing go around the world and all over in the virtual space as well as we continue on our series on apostolic centers. What does it mean to actually move into a place where we are building the kingdom and seeing the gospel of the kingdom go forth on the earth today? And uh, guys, my name is Glenn Blakeney, Awake Nations Ministries. There's our website, awakenations.org. Please feel free to sign up for our emails. I've got a lot of free teaching training we do. We're going to actually do this tonight on Zoom originally, but we had um, so many people sign up to be a part of this that uh, we've decided we're just going to do this on Facebook Live as well as on YouTube. So thank you for uh, tuning in. We're going to dive right in. We're going to be looking at the topic of shifting into an apostolic paradigm of ministry. What does that look like? What is happening in the world right now in the midst of COVID-19 and all the things that have been going on? Thank you, hey guys, for tuning in. Uh, Peanut Brittle, wow, okay. Frankie, <laughs> Frank Ammons, thank you from Lakeland, Florida. Bless you guys. Um, Gray Moses from Kenya, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, awesome. Awesome. So good to have you. Hi, Nancy. Thank you. Alan, thank you. Stephanie, bless you guys. Thank you so much for being part of this. Um, please do go ahead and share this again. We really appreciate that. But we're going to go into our topic tonight, which essentially has to do why church as we once knew it is over. Now, let me just kind of give a disclaimer here. Um, this particular statement, I know it's a very audacious statement, and I really stand by it. I believe it's true, but I also recognize that this particular statement may not be as relevant in some parts of the world as it is in others. I think in particular in the Western nations, we've seen so much change in the church and, and even in interest in church. Uh, and I think that we are actually at a place where COVID-19 has pronounced that, has compounded the situation. And here's what I am finding out. And I'm sure you guys have heard the same. I love to hear your uh, hear from you, post your comments as well. But I have talked to so many people who've been, you know, they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to church. Um, I've not attended a church service, a, a gathering of believers for quite some time because um, of COVID-19. But then there's many people where churches are open. They're still not going back. Really don't seem to have much interest in going back to church as uh, it once was. 
And uh, I'm not saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything right now. My personal feelings on that. Um, but let me just I want to hear from you guys. What what's going on? Are you actually connected to uh, an assembly, a, a gathering of believers? Hey, it doesn't matter where you gather, whether it's on the beach, in a church building, in a house. You know, that's that's not the important thing. I believe there needs to be structure. I do believe there needs to be leadership. The New Testament is clear about that. But the gathering of believers to worship, to be taught, to be discipled and so on. Is that happening where you live? Are you part of that? Um, have you noticed a decline? Have you noticed that people are not attending um, those gatherings as frequently as they once did. Thank you for uh, watching from Naples, Florida, from Vancouver, Canada. Bless you. Bless you guys so much from Singapore, from, wow, Jamaica, from New Zealand. Bless you guys. Bless you so much. So good to have everyone on here with us. Bless you guys. Thank you. Hey, Melissa, God bless you as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. So yeah, let me know what's going on. Have you noticed this trend with people not as interested in actually, um, you know, attending the local assembly, the local church, whatever you want to call it as they once did. Yeah. Here's a comment. Cannot find correct alignment. Now here, Marlene, I'm putting you on the spot right now, but look at this. Cannot find correct alignment in my own country. I think I know what you mean by that, Arlene. Well, we've talked about this, but correct alignment. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know what? I'm looking for something that's going to really um, equip me, strengthen me, a place where I'm really going to encounter God. And uh, I'm just not finding it in, you know, in some places. Now, there are some great churches, some great ministries. Let me be clear about that, where people are encountering God. They're being discipled. They're being equipped. They're being inspired, and they're part of a great community. And, guys, that is the New Testament way. That is what God wants. We need to come together when we can and where we can and gather with other like-minded believers that, that have embraced the, the mission of Jesus Christ, the community of God's kingdom, and so on. So keep doing it, guys, if that's where you're at. But let's just talk a little bit about, about this. Um, let, me, let me hear, post this, Stephen's comment. The local church in our area was absent when people needed help the most last year. So some eyes are being opened to what is the purpose of the church. Wow, thank you, Stephen. Wow, yeah, so true, isn't it? So true. Well, let's take it a step further. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna just post this up again. Why church as we once knew it is over? Church as we once knew it is over. Now, some of you might be saying, well, praise God, I'm glad church as we once knew it is over. Well. Um, I'm not. I'm not actually saying that all churches has been, uh, you know, a problem. Or I'm just saying that God is changing things. We are in a time of reset, and God is trying to recalibrate the church. And so we have a great opportunity to align ourselves with the kingdom uh, purpose and mission of Jesus Christ. So let's look at some things statistically. Do you know that? 
Recent studies conclude that somewhere between 20 to 30% of those that attended church regularly before COVID-19 are not planning on returning ever. Wow. Wow. What do you guys think about that? (laughs) A lot of people are not planning on returning ever. And hey, look at, look at, I love Frank's comment here. Just launched a new church in Lakeland. And so far, people are looking for something new and fresh and the real gospel. Amen. That's awesome, Frank. God bless you. We're so excited for what you have, what you're doing, launching this church. And yeah, people are looking for something that is really authentic, real, um, is going to help them. So we're going to be talking about that this evening. So church as we once knew it is over. God is changing things. 20 to 30% of people that attended church regularly before COVID-19 are not planning on returning ever. Then on top of that, the decline of Christianity is an ongoing trend in North America, as well as in Western and Northern Europe. Developed countries with modern secular educational facilities have shifted towards post-global, secular, globalized multicultural and multi-faith societies. Then on top of that, there is a widespread aversion toward institutional, institutional Christianity today. Denominationalism and the established church is in serious decline. We have an aging church population. Do you know that? Including leaders. We are not re- generating. We have some serious issues. We have some things that we must address, guys. And I'm thankful for the good things that are happening. There is revival in places, you know, certain parts of the world. We see it a lot in in Southeast Asia in particular. The younger population is really embracing the gospel is rising up. There's a fresh wind of God's spirit blowing. Praise God for that. But people, by and large, generally speaking, are sick and tired of politics and church splits and bickering and jockeying for position and titles and controlling and, you know, and all of those things where it's it's more focused on getting people in a building, paying the bills, you know, making sure that salaries are paid and that type of thing. People are looking for more. People are looking for more. Look, many are open to spirituality and even the person and messages of Jesus Christ today. Most of our cities and nations, I believe, have thousands of people waiting to be harvested, thousands of souls that will be saved if we will do what God has called us to do but we need to recalibrate and we need to innovate. Very, very important that we get this right. So guys, what do we do? Well, we must engage culture rather than dismiss it. The church has been known more for building walls than building bridges. And when I say here on this slide, revival is not the answer. Some people say, well, that's sacrilegious, that's blasphemous. But let me tell you something. Praying for revival is not enough. 
I believe in revival. I advocate and contend for revival. But I want you to understand we have to have new wineskins, not just the new wine of the spirit, not just uh, a great move of God's spirit, but we have to have more than that. We have to be able to structure in a way that actually causes people to experience transformation in their life. And we need to engage our culture. We need to go after those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Any revival without a genuine cultural reformation will never last. The church, the Christian faith, in particular nations of the world, particularly the Western nations, has not been the salt of the earth. We have been influenced by the world, by the values of, of the things of, of this world, the, of the kingdom of darkness, of immorality, and so on. And we have not shifted the culture towards the values of the kingdom. So we're going to be talking about some of the differences between church as we once knew it and what God is trying to do in this season in which we live in bringing transformation to the church and actually causing us uh, to step into a place of seeing his kingdom go forth with power. Because we know that the early church, when I'm talking about in when we read the Bible and the book of Acts and so on, then the first century, the, they were actually accused of turning the world upside down. So they made an impact. They made an incredible impact wherever they went. So here's something I want us to look on. Church versus kingdom. Of course, the kingdom is referenced way more than church. The church actually preaches the gospel of the kingdom, but we have to understand that the aspect of kingdom is what Jesus called us to see go forth to the nations of the world. He said in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a witness to all the nations of the world, then the end will come. So this is um, my take on what has been happening in many places. You know, traditional, conventional, maybe conventional is a better word, Christianity has focused more on filling church buildings with people, the resulting what we call church growth. But the gospel of the kingdom concentrates on filling the church with God himself. And when I say filling the church, church is the people. Church, we are the church. So the idea is we are the dwelling place of God. We are the temple of God. And God wants to come and fill us with himself, resulting in his glory being released and manifested and demonstrated through his church so that the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Consider the conventional model is, hey, we want to grow our church. So what do we do? We increase the size of our building or perhaps we add additional services. We have additional services, right? So that's how we're going to grow our church. Now, there's nothing wrong uh, with that. There's nothing wrong with having additional services or building bigger buildings. I think there's a balance to all of that. But let me just say that a lot of what we've been seeing um, in, in these days, we're actually at a place where 
where people are less interested in in buildings and that and so on and they're more interested in community in a family than you know gathering and, and seeing a great production a great experience or whatever it is so so this is really we're kind of shifting back to the way it was in the first century in the early church now you got to remember guys they didn't have big facilities. They didn't have large edifices. It wasn't until Constantine's day that they actually began to have these um, larger basilicas. And, you know, they gathered uh, the Gentiles in particular in homes. They met in homes by and large. And, you know, there's been some archaeological evidence that the largest home that um, basically that they would meet in maybe would accommodate 70 people in a single gathering. And what they did was they basically took a, a home and they knocked some walls out to expand it. But we're talking about meeting in homes. And so, but yet there's thousands of believers, right? In cities, maybe hundreds of thousands, even in certain places. So tens of thousands anyways. And so they're meeting in different homes. They're meeting in different places. So what does that mean? They have to have uh, a culture where the disi discipleship is really valued and uh, people are able to, to lead, people are able to, to flow freely in, in the anointing and in the gifts of the spirit where they're ministering to one another. That's the way it was in the early church. So let me just look at, we're gonna just look at a kind of a side-by-side -side comparison and some of the differences between the church, uh, meaning the people of God and, and how they came together to worship and how they understood the Christian faith and, and, and the gospel and, and, mission, and their mission in the first century compared to the Christian people today. Um, and again, I know that's a broad sweeping term, but um, I'm talking about pretty much here evangelical Christians, okay? Let's look at some of the differences between modern day Christianity, aka churchianity, religiosity, and, and the real genuine apostolic faith of the first century. And when I say apostolic faith, I'm not talking about a denomination, guys. I'm not advocating something that some people call apostolic today, which really isn't. I'm just saying going back to the book of Acts, okay? So I just want to be clear. So let's look at this. Church today focuses on church growth, getting people in the building, getting the offerings, making sure we have enough money to do the programs and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, we have uh, something happening. We've got a big church, we've got 10,000 people and so on and so forth. And again, there's nothing wrong with preaching to the multitudes. I do it myself and have, and really um, thank God for the opportunity to do that and have seen great uh, fruit from that. But we have to be focused more on kingdom expansion. So we shift from the mindset of our, my ministry is about ministering to the people in our church, quote, unquote, and we shift into let's see the gospel go forth and the kingdom ex be extended on the earth. Church today is more, we focus a lot, well, we don't even focus a lot anymore on winning converts or winning souls, We not as much as we used to. But one of the things that we have to understand is not enough just to get someone to make a decision to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. We They need to be discipled. The early church understood that. I've taught a lot on that. 
I will continue to teach more on that, but let's just leave it there for now. Next, instructing in doctrine. You know, we, we say, well, we need to teach you the basics of the Christian faith, and that's true, and that's important. But we, we have this kind of way where we do things. It's, you know, I'm not talking about catechisms so much, uh, but I'm talking more about even the, you know, foundations, courses, those type of things. There needs to be an imparting of revelation. When the Bible says in Acts chapter two that they gave, you know, they gave themselves continually to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine, there was revelation. There was an anointing. There was something special being released. The word was alive. It was quickening them. It was it was prophetic, and uh, it it was making a difference as the word went forth. Uh, today we focus a lot on the gathering, the gathering, the assembly. But the early church focused more on going. In fact, they gathered to be equipped, to be trained and released so they could go into all the world. The church often today talks about for, you know, the importance of forgiveness, forgiveness from the past, things we've done in the past. And that is true. We all need forgiveness. We all need the grace of God. But let's not forget that we also need power. We need power for the presence, power to be witnesses, power to live an exemplary Christian life, power to demonstrate Christ in us. The church today has often historically talked about leaving earth to go to heaven, but when you read the book of Acts and you read the epistles, you see a people that were determined to bring heaven to earth. So guys, that's some of the differences. That's some of the important fundamental differences um, I really believe that God is calling us to realign ourselves with the ancient truths of Scripture. And I'm not advocating we do something new, something novel. I'm saying that we need to align ourselves foundationally with the mission of Jesus Christ and with the message of the gospel of the kingdom. This is so important that we do this today. So let's just look at some critical paradigm shifts that we need to make. We need to move from a come to church mindset to a go into all the world mindset from programs for believers to we become presence, his presence in the world from increasing church attendance to bringing the kingdom to cities and nations. I know some of this is pretty basic and you, many of you guys get this. Um, now, the apostolic approach is really viewing the size of our ministry by our geographical sphere of influence. And we see all God's people as called and anointed for ministry. We teach people to do the work of ministry daily in the community not just in the church building, not just, you know, on uh, when they have services or whatever, when they gather, but doing ministry daily in the community. Very important. Discipleship must be greater, a greater value to us than good services or programs. We need to also recognize other ministries, especially prophetic teaching ministries and integrate them into the life of our ministries as well. Don't consider yourself God's only method to reaching and discipling people. Let others get involved as well. 
We need to be networkers, connecting other ministries, members of the body of Christ with those of similar giftings, and particularly those who are apostles. <laughs> and, and this is really true for all of us. The apostles more concerned about getting people out of the building than bringing them into the building. More concerned about that. So guys, let's understand that God is calling us to make some critical paradigm shifts in this season in which we live. And if the church is going to go back to the book of Acts and we're going to see God move powerfully and we're going to engage people because you know what, when we, when we consider, okay, people are, maybe aren't going to come back to church and attend regularly the way they once did in some places, like, as I said earlier, this is more of a Western phenomenon than it is in other nations of the world. I get that because in many nations of the world right now, I talk to people that are connected to our network and in Southeast Asia, and they are seeing a lot of people come to Christ. Then I talk to other people in Africa, for example, and the church is still struggling. They, they're not seeing a great influx of souls. And I think a lot of times, in all fairness, is because the method of, you know, our, the modus operandi, so to speak, was getting people in the building, the gathering, the, you know, and because that's not been happening and still is not happening in some places of the world in Africa, people have kind of fallen through the cracks and they're not engaged in, in discipleship and so on. And so we need to, we need to really uh, get things. We need to set the record straight that, that the church isn't the gathering. The church, it, it's not about, you know, coming to church. It's about becoming the church presence in the world, reaching people with the gospel and really seeing significant change in people's lives. You know, I love the book of Acts chapter 16 when Paul talks about going back to the churches that they had ministered to previously. And he actually says this, and, and this is Acts 16, verses 4 and 5. As they went through the cities, they delivered the, to them the decrees, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. And then listen to this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Wow. There you go. The churches, okay, were strengthened in the faith, but they also increased in number daily. That's what we want. We want to see the church strengthened. We want to see people become strong. We want to see them rooted and grounded in Christ, become mature, you know, conform to the image and likeness of Jesus, the fullness of the stature of, of Christ Jesus. And we also want to see new people come to Christ. We want to see people that don't know the Lord get saved and turn to Christ. That's a healthy uh, move of God's spirit. That's healthy when we see that happening. And yet, there's so many places in the world where that is not even uh, close to, to being a reality. So let's just look. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. 
Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Look at some of the uh, important shifts that we need to make. We need to shift from pastoral to apostolic. Now, listen, I've done deeper teachings on this, more extensive teachings on this, but let me just make it very general here that shifting from pastoral to apostolic essentially means this. People are not just coming to to a, a service to have their needs met, okay, but they're coming to be equipped and trained and uh, released to be able to do what God has called them to do. So the idea is the pastoral is about obviously um, care, it's about healing, it's about teaching and discipleship, but the apostolic is about being sent out. What does God want you to do? What has he preordained for you to do with your life? What is your purpose? What is your calling? What does he want you to do? The church needs to become a place where we, uh, people encounter the Lord, they, they receive the fullness of his spirit, they're trained, they're equipped, they're discipled, and they are released to be able to go out and whether it's in the marketplace or wherever they may be, to minister the gospel effectively by their lifestyle and also in deed and also in, in word. So, so that's really important, shifting from just a pastoral where you come to be fed, where you come to be nurtured, where you come to be equipped, raised up, and sent out. That's a huge, huge paradigm shift. Um, see, there's this story, and I, I just want to go through this really quickly. When Jesus showed up and, and he began to call his disciples to follow him, one of the first things that happened is this miracle in Luke chapter 5. You know, Peter had been fishing all night, didn't catch anything. So Jesus instructs him to get in the boat with him, with him and to launch out into the deep. And what happens is, you know, Peter initially balks Simon, Peter says, you know, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And so it says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Wow. Notice that their net was breaking. Now, three and a half years later, Jesus is now um, died. He's, he's rose again. He's ascended to the father and the Bible says that for 40 days he came to the earth and he appeared to his disciples in various times and various places. One of those occasions is recorded in John chapter 21. And again, the disciples had gone fishing. Same thing, deja vu, they had not caught any fish. And Jesus shows up and he says, basically, hey guys, have you caught any food? You know, you got any food? And they said, no. So he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Then down to verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, look at this, the net was not broken. In Luke 5, there was a great catch of fish, but the net broke. In John 21, three and a half years later, 
after the apostles had been with Jesus, it specifically says the net did not break. The net did not break this time. Now, here's something that we need to understand. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it talks about how the Lord Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it says to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Now, that word equip has um, a derivative. It's kartetizmos, or kartetizo, and kartetizmos. So the word can actually, and is translated mend, in Matthew chapter 4, I believe it's verse 21, where the disciples, um, James and John, had been mending the fishing nets after they had returned from a fishing expedition. So it's the word mend, the word that is translated equip as equipping the saints is translated mend. In Luke 6, 40, the word is same word is translated perfectly trained. So the idea is this, that when God speaks of equipping the saints, it talks about mending. It talks about being perfectly trained. Um, the idea really has, there's three kind of connotations, and I'll, I'll go through this in greater depth in another session in the future. But the first thing is that this mending component, this this healing component, this making whole, this you know bringing what is broken and and repairing it, you know, why would you mend a fishing net that that had been torn? Because you're going to go fishing again. You're going to use it, right? So the idea is that this con, the concept of equipping believers, has to do with healing, repairing, making whole, mending. It's so important. So Jesus told them, "Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." But in the very beginning, when this fishing miracle, you know, there was a tear in the net. The net was not, um, it was broken. And so it's kind of the idea here is the imagery is that Jesus was saying, you know, guys, if I were to release you to do ministry right now, it would be as futile as uh, trying to fish with a torn net. Okay, it wouldn't work. <laughs> the fish would 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 escape. So for the next three years, let me work in your life. Let me equip you. Let me mend you. Let me repair you. Let me prepare you. Let me do what I have to do and can do in your life so that you will be ready to catch fish. So after three and a half years, he says, let down, you know, the first in Luke five, he says, go deep, launch into the deep. Isn't that interesting? If you, if you want to experience something from God, you got to go deep. So let the nets go down into the depths of the water. And then three and a half years later, he says, let down the nets on the right hand side. The right side speaks of authority. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of his father. So the nets are lowered on the right-hand side. And what ends up taking place is there's this huge catch of fish, 153 fish, which St. Jerome says represented the, the nations of the world at that time. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But ultimately, the net, when they were hauled back in, even they struggled to do it, they, they were not able to draw them in. The, it actually says that the net did not tear. The net did not tear. So it's like this three and a half years, 
Jesus had repaired them. He had prepared them. So he was mending them so he could send them. He was working in their lives, getting them ready to be equipped so he could release them so they could catch fish and the nets would not tear. So let God mend you so he can send you. Let God mend you of your misery so he can send you into your ministry. God wants to do a powerful work in preparing you. And this is an important aspect of what Christianity is really all about. God wants to do this deep work in the lives of his people in preparing us for what he's called us to do. This is an important element and aspect of the gospel. So let's move from the gospel of salvation to the gospel of the kingdom. This is another shift that we have to make. The gospel of salvation, where Jesus loves you and wants to forgive you of your sins, which is all true, uh, to Jesus died for you so that you can experience the power of his kingdom, not just so that you can go to heaven, not just so that you can be saved and born again, but that you can live in the realm of his kingdom now. And you can experience the power and the authority of his kingdom. You know, Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, if I cast out demons, he says, then um, by the power of God, then he says, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the gospel of the kingdom is the first Corinthians 420. The kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. So we need to move from just a gospel that says God wants to forgive you. He wants to take you to heaven to a gospel that releases the full power of the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to also shift into from pressing people into making a decision for Jesus to leading them into deep discipleship and a life of significance. So often today, we see it in churches that really still advocate and want to see people come to Christ, which is commendable, obviously. But it's more about we just got to get them to, to accept Jesus. We just, you know, we just need to press them to make the decision, make the decision, make the decision. And sometimes people aren't even ready. You know, let me tell you a story. There was a time that I was ministering somewhere and uh, there was a great move of God in this church. And and we were, God was moving, we were in extended meetings, and I saw this man in the church, and he was kind of, you could tell, he was like, man, he was like a fish out of water, he just didn't understand what was going on, but he was sitting there looking at everyone, but you could tell he probably wasn't a believer, and and so um, what happened was I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to talk to him, and I'm going to share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, no, I don't want you to do that. Okay. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, he's not ready yet. Just give him some space. Now, guys, it's important that we respond to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say the exact opposite. This guy, you need to share the gospel with him or her now. Okay. And we need to be obedient. So what happens is uh, I just say, okay, Lord. And at that very moment, I see someone walk up towards this man and begin to talk to him. And they're really like, come on, you need to accept Jesus. Come on, you need to pray the sinner's prayer and you need to come to the altars and, and all of that stuff. And and I saw his response and and I could it was like I could read his lips. And he he just basically said, I'm not ready. 
I'm not ready, is what he said. Not yet. No, leave me alone. I'm not ready. Now, listen, we need to just stop pressing people into making this, you know, decision to follow Jesus. And then what do we do? This is my point, guys. My point is often at that we don't do anything to disciple these people. Okay, we said, come to church, read your Bible, pray. But we need to do more. What did Jesus do? He spent time with them. He poured into them. He taught them. He was there for them. We need to do so much more than that. From pressing people to making decision, we need to lead them into deep discipleship and a life of significance. What does it mean to really love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? To take up your cross and follow him. To give, to surrender all and and to, you know, um, put it all on the altar for him, so to speak. Very, very important. Also, we need to move from superficial relationships to authentic community where grace and honor preside. People today are wanting family. They're wanting community. So especially millennials and others, guys, they are wanting the real thing. And, you know, um, I was on a, a Zoom meeting not too long ago with a, a millennial leader. And one of the things that he was talking about in South America it was the context of his ministry is that today it's not so much important for reaching millennials. It's not the light show. It, it's not, you know, um, all of those things, the aesthetics and, and the ambience and so on. He said, you know, have a cafe, like build a cafe rather than spend 60000 or $100,000 on lights. He was saying, build a cafe so that you can spend time building community, hanging out with one another. And people are looking for real community today. Remember, Jesus made disciples in the context of community. He lived with people. He spent time with them. They ate together. They did life together. This is so important, guys. We need community. People are looking for a family. We have a generation that is like, has been orphaned, and we need to be there for them. Spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and are needed today. Uh, we need so desperately to build that culture. Rather, when people just go into a service, they leave a service, they never connect it with anyone, they don't know anyone. We need to be intentional in developing community. All right. And we need to we need to shift from mere intellectual and theological knowledge about God to encountering his glory and power. To encountering his glory and power. Did I miss a characteristic? Yes, I did, but we'll stick to this one first. So many people have been, you know, they they know about God. They've taught and and yet there's not been this encounter. There's not been this real connection with the Lord spiritually. We need encounters, guys. People need to encounter the living God. They need to know his power and they need to experience his goodness. You know, I've throughout the years ministered to many people, prayed with many people, people that don't know Christ and they've encountered the Lord and and they've been transformed as a result of a supernatural encounter with the Lord that's kept them on, you know, been the catalyst to to move them in the right direction and even to bring them to salvation. And, and people need to encounter God. They need to experience miracles and signs and wonders and healings and, and be baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and to experience his power and his glory in their lives is so important rather than just, you know, 
people talking about God and, and, and just having intellectual and theological knowledge about him. All right, the, the one I missed is this, characteristic five. Moving from passive participation, that is attending church, to active engagement in mission. So many people are saying church is boring. Of course, if the Holy Spirit's not there, if there's no anointing, I get it. It is boring. But listen, people are looking for more today. If you want to see people changed, take them on a mission trip. Take them on a mission trip. Get people involved. It doesn't have to be in another country. Of course not. But get people engaged in mission. Give them a cause, a purpose. Activate them to do something in the kingdom. And I'm telling you, it's going to make a huge difference in people's lives rather than just sitting in chairs for, you know, 90 minutes or an hour, two hours, whatever, on a Sunday. Lastly, from going to church to being encouraged to be going to church to being, I'm sorry, from going to church, you know, for the purpose of I'm going to church to be inspired, encouraged, to be fed, to being going to church to be equipped so that you can be sent into the world to bring kingdom transformation. You know, I go to church so that I'm encouraged, I'm, I'm, I'm fueled up, it's a filling station, you know, I'm inspired, but I am also being equipped and uh, fired up to be able to go into the world and bring kingdom transformation. Very, very powerful. We really need to embrace discipleship, guys. We need to raise up a generation of people that really know God, that walk with him, that know the power of his spirit. People need to encounter God that way. There needs to be so much um, emphasis these days on the power of the Holy Spirit again, once and for all. So discipling people to know the Lord, to make him known, to be like Jesus. We'll look at in just a second here as we're about to close on the metrics of the kingdom you know, kingdom transformation. But I just want you to read this quote by an author whose name is Mike Breen. And this is what he said about church growth versus discipleship. He said, if you make disciples, you get a church. If you make a church, you don't always get disciples. The only number that Jesus is counting and the only thing he talks about in his last instructions are disciples. So, don't focus on church. You can have a church and people don't know the Lord. You know, you can have a church full of people. It's a mile wide, an inch deep, or a kilometer wide and a centimeter deep. The point is, guys, we need to focus on, as I read earlier, Acts 16, 5, they were strengthened in the faith and the daily numbers were added to the church. So seeing incremental and spiritual growth, numerical and spiritual growth. That's what God wants. But so often we measure, you know, church growth success um, by by metrics that really have nothing to do with the kingdom or very little to do with the kingdom at least. And for example, we look at church attendance, how many people are in our membership role? What about our financial income? 
you know, look at all the, our buildings, look at our property, look at, and, and again, I'm not saying any of these things are wrong. Of course, Jesus preached to multitudes and we can, all of these things can be redeemed and used for God pur God's purpose. But the metrics of the kingdom are more like this. Are the people that come to our gatherings, are they becoming more like Christ? Are they becoming Christ-like? Are they walking like Jesus did? Are they doing his mighty works? Can they heal the sick? Can they cast out demons? Um, are they walking in holiness? Are they overcoming sin and temptation? Are they being obedient to Christ's commands? Jesus told us to teach them all things that he commanded us. Are they making disciples themselves? Are they multiplying disciples? Some of them, are they making and raising up other leaders? Are they reaching the lost? Are they seeing people one to Christ? Are they being baptized? Are they being discipled? This is the main thing, not how many people we have in our church, but let's see a generation raised up so that they are conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. If we would give ourselves to seeing, first of all, our own lives so committed to becoming like Jesus, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, you know, guarding our hearts, um, keeping ourselves pure and, and staying humble and staying broken before God and loving people, not getting offended, all of those things, just keeping ourselves in that place that God wants us to be. God will use us. That attracts the anointing, you know, hunger, humility, holiness, and honor. Those things attract the anointing. And the anointing, as we carry that anointing, we're going to see things happen. We're going to see demons come out of people. We're going to see the sick healed. We're going to see cat people who are bound set free. And we're going to see people come into the family of God, come home to the Father. And we are in a day and an age where there are so many people that are confused. They don't have the answers. And Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the answer. He wants to bring change and transformation. But we have to change. We have to change. It's not about the building. It's not about what happens uh, on the weekend so much, guys. But let's gather. Yes, let's let's gather with our brothers and sisters. Um, we need spiritual leaders. We need fivefold ministry. Absolutely. Let's let's give our money so into the kingdom so that the gospel can go forth. Um, you know where we go, and and we should be gathering with other believers. We should be, you know aligning ourselves with with fivefold ministry and and apostolic covering and all of that we we need a good church we need leaders that that can help us and and guide us and teach us and pour into us and instruct us but ultimately we need to focus on our walk with god we need to focus on seeing the gospel go forth to the nations we need to change things there's so much that is happening today that is literally just off track. It is not the gospel that Jesus advocated. He didn't have a huge building. Jesus did not even 
you know, start a Bible college. He discipled people in real time, in real life, and in community. And I believe that if the church will rise up, if the people of God will really focus on becoming disciples ourselves and pouring into others and, and seeing others uh, discipled, then we need that. We need to gather to do that. We need community to be able to do that. And also focus on reaching people who've not heard the gospel. You know, there are over 350 unreached people groups in the United States. 350 unreached people groups. There are close to 7,000 unreached people groups in the world today. There are approximately 17,000 uh, people groups in the world, and 7,000 are unreached, meaning less than 2%, 2% or less, uh, in that particular people group are, le are believers, 2% or less. So there's still so much that needs to change. And we need to focus on the mission, on the Great Commission. Jesus said, I give you power to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We need to understand what the gospel of the kingdom is, Matthew 24, 14. We need to get these two things are pr of primary importance, the mission and the message. The message of the kingdom and the mission of seeing the kingdom go forth, making disciples, kingdom citizens. What does that look like? I've done a lot of teaching on that. Check out my YouTube channel, Glenn Blakeney, and uh, you can find some of those teachings. We also have a mentoring group. It's a learning community. We meet together on Zoom, people from all over the world. If you would like to be part of our learning community, we talk, we delve into a lot of really cool topics, equipping, just send me an email. Go to my website, awakenations.org. You can just send an email by hitting the contact button on awakenations.org, or you can just enter your email address and you'll be on our mailing list as well. And you'll get our free teachings, our updates, and so on. Guys, we really um, want to equip you. We want, we work with pastors and leaders all over the world. If you need coaching, if you need mentoring, we are here for you. And I know what we're doing will help you. It will encourage you. And also being networked with others will also be a great source of, um, you know, benefit to you as well. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate you guys. We are um, continuing to take the gospel to the nations of the world. We're traveling. Um, happy to come and minister in conferences and churches. You can get a hold of me through awakenations.org and um, minister that way. And also, if you would like to become a partner with our ministry, you just go to awakenations.org forward slash donate. We would appreciate that. We have a podcast that's going all over the world. And uh, we're ministering extensively throughout the world in, in so many different ways. Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that with the American Family Insurance Home Quote Tool, you can easily design a customized policy for your dream home right from the comfort of your couch. And fun paint fact, there are over 150 shades of white, like Hello White, Fluffy Bunny, Eggshell. They get it. Explore the AmFam Home Quote Tool at amfam.com slash home to learn more about your policy coverage options. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state.